Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Balanced Blues Brothers Podcast. Uh, today it's going to be myself, Travis Slock, uh, with Ola, the score, and Jordan Cohen on. Uh, I'm going to be breaking down kind of briefly, you know, what happened at the end of the transfer window. We've already talked a little bit about that, so we're just going to go through that a little bit more um, for some of the final things that happened. Uh, anything that's noteworthy in that, and then more importantly, talk about the forced match. So, um, to kind of get us started with the the transfer stuff, we we didn't really have as many outgoings as we would have thought, but we did have the kind of surprise incoming to end with Cole Palmer. Uh, I I think this is a I don't know I think it's a mixed bag here where yeah it's another bet on prospect and talent, um, and, and we'll actually have to develop that. But uh, I, I, despite that side of things, the talent itself is really good, and I and I like that he can kind of play a role of things in our attack. But I, I think the best thing about this Palmer move is that it gives a little bit more of a chance for us to, you know, use a, use a, an attacking midfielder again in a central area. Cause I think he can actually play uh, with, in terms of that role. And it's clearly when we've been watching the games and we'll talk about that a lot, I'm sure with the, with the forest match review about how that's uh, currently a problem for us, or at least it is for me, but um, uh, before we get started in the forest match, I'll let you guys get your, some of your quick thoughts on, you know, the, the Palmer move and, and, uh, anything else that was going on in this window, um, before we move on to forest. Yeah, sure. I, I was a big fan of the Cole Palmer move. Uh, you know, I watched a lot of Manchester City, obviously like we all have, uh, and I, I'm always on the lookout for young talent and, you know, potential talent, especially from. Manchester City's Academy, because Manchester City's Academy is one of the best now. There's no question about that. And they're producing a lot of good talent, well-coached, well-drilled, you know, uh, well-conditioned, you know, all kind of taught, kind of pep, the pep way kind of thing. Um, very tactically intelligent. Um, so, like, any players that... And Pep also is not... Doesn't, doesn't give young players opportunities on a whim. Like, he only gives opportunities to players that he really believes in, right? And Cole Palmer played a few games last year in the Cup. Um, I think he played in the league against us as well. I don't know whether he came off the bench or whether he started, but he played pretty well against us. I was pretty impressed with him um, and his intelligence, his pace. Um, also, the fact that he takes on shots as well, which is like what I've been, you know, campaigning for for ages, like sign players that take on shots like and aren't afraid to shoot. Um, and he isn't afraid to shoot. I mean, he started in the Super Cup, and he's thinking, I think he started, and he scored. And he also scored in the Community Shield as well. Um, he's a number 10. He can play on the right. He can also play on the left as well. Um, and he looked good when he came on the other day against Nottingham Forest, for me. Um, but I think he's a huge talent. Uh, I know that well, I've been, I've been told, told like very reliably that Joe Shield was very, very excited to sign him 
Like, I think the board are really excited to sign him. They, I'm not sure they thought they could get him out of City. Um, I'm not sure City would try and hold on to him, but we've got him. I think he, he definitely, he can definitely play in that 10 role when we haven't got Nkunku. Um, he could play on the right. He could, he could even play on the left. And I think he needs, to, I think he's a guy that we need to be starting because he takes on shots. Simple as that. We need people who are going to take on shots because we don't have enough of them. So purely on that basis, I think he starts for us at the moment. Like, but I think he's a big talent, and I think um, Pochettino is the great coach for him. Can develop him. Can you know, um, you know, give him confidence, help him like fulfill his potential because he's really good. That's what Pochettino is brilliant at. So I'm really pleased we signed him. Um, I think Manchester City fans were really upset that he got sold as well. They didn't want him to go because he, he, again, he started the season pretty well. They think he's on the verge of a breakout. So if it happens, he has the breakout, it's going to be with us, which is great. Um, you know, and obviously it's it's you know for it's a lot of money um, for somebody who's not played much in the Premier League, but you're paying for the potential, and he definitely has potential. Um, I'd much rather we signed him than Brennan Johnson, for example. Um, Spurs paid more than we did um, for Cole Palmer for Brennan Johnson. So um, yeah, I think it's a really good signing. I was really pleased that we went for him. I was almost relieved we went for him rather than go for like another hundred million pound player, honestly, because this looks like a smart signing, which is the result of good scouting. And they're listening to Joe Shields, which they should, because he's he's brilliant. He's, he's really good at spotting young talent. And um, yeah, so I'm pretty positive about him being a good player for us. So I was really pleased with that signing. Yeah, I mean, I think that the thing I've seen from a lot of fans that are not for this signing has been that, oh, well, he couldn't make it at City, or why did City want to sell him if he was that good for that little amount of money? And I think the answer is Cole Palmer's a 10-slash-right-wing. City doesn't really play with 10s. They play with attacking eights. Cole Palmer has done that. He can do that. But is he going to play over Kevin De Bruyne? Probably not. Is he going to even play over Bernardo Silva? Uh, no. Like, he, he, those players are too good. So then you say, okay, well, what about right wing? Is he going to play over Phil Foden? No. And is he going to play over Jeremy Doku? No. And it's not because he can't be as talented as those players are. It's that Man City are trying to win every trophy every year. They, they If you as a 21-year-old cannot reliably prove that you are better than your competition you are not going to play I mean it it is very reminiscent of when Chelsea have had Mourinho as their manager right and people I think to a degree rightfully criticize Mourinho for not playing youth but when Mourinho is on your team you're trying to win every trophy possible and if you're 21 years old and can't be better than your competition you're just not going to play as much and again this isn't because I think Cole Palmer is definitely always going to be worse than those guys I mentioned. It's just that right now he's not at that level. And so he's looking at bit player minutes. And I really think like it makes sense. He wasn't willing to go on loan, so City sold him. We've been in that situation before too. I think he's a very like high potential player to scores point. He shoots the ball. He, which I, which I really like. I think he's kind of a 
dribbly boy. Like he likes to dribble, uh, which I think is good. Like he takes players on. I think he's very bad news for Madweke. Uh, and I'm just going to say, we saw at Spurs, one of the reasons Madweke left is Potch didn't rate him. And I think Sterling's been playing really well this season. So I don't think either of those guys are supplanting Sterling on the right wing. But if you're signing Cole Palmer to be as a 10 and as the backup right wing, which means Mad- I think Madweke is... This is not good news for him. Now, maybe Potch decides to move Madwake over to the left, right, where he's on his better foot and he gets to play out on the wing. Like, maybe that's what happens because right now we don't really have a real left winger. But right now, I think it's bad for Madwake. I think he and Mudrick both lack tactical understanding that has made it hard for both of them to get minutes under Potch. And I think it will continue to make it hard for them to get minutes under Potch. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I like the Cole Palmer signing. I think he's a good player. I think he shoots the ball. I don't necessarily think he's going to be a guaranteed starter this year, but if he plays in 20 to 25 of the 38 Premier League matches, I think I would not be surprised. Get If he get up to five cup starts, like if we make a cup run, that's 30 matches, and that's great. That's a great season. So I'm a fan of the signing. I don't think it was incredibly expensive, which I liked. And I think he is more of a guarantee than a guy like Ahmad Wake or Mudrik. So I can't be mad about it. Yeah. As, as for the, the, the Copama signing, I I won't lie. I wasn't impressed with the signing. I watched a lot of Manchester City and I've watched Palmer. He's done well in cup games. I don't think he's... I mean, City has produced a fair few youngsters, Phil Foden being one of them. Nothing about Copama strikes me as Chelsea should get him. He didn't look like a talent that was being misused. He didn't look like a talent that was being wasted, that he needed it seemed to... You know, that he needed to leave City and get more minutes. I... I would admit that I don't know what they see in the Palmer in the Palmer um, youngster, but I'm not. It's not a, a heel I'm going to die on and say he's a bad signing. I think 40 million is a lot, but he's English, he's homegrown, so 40 million sounds about right. He, he doesn't have up to 20. Actually, he has exactly 20 Premier League appearances. For what we're trying to do, I don't see how Palmer contributes to that. But at the same time, if he's going to be playing as a, as a 10, I wouldn't mind it. Especially since Chukwu um, um, Emeka is injured and um, the, the way, the, the shape we've been playing in recently, I, I, can, I can see why we felt we needed another attacking midfielder. I agree that Madweke is bad news for Madweke because I've said since last season that Madweke is not is not effective. He dribbles and he completes his dribbles. He dribbles well, but he he, he doesn't have any cutting edge. He doesn't create chances. He's just he's just all dribbles and no. I wouldn't say end product because end product refers to goals, assists. I just want you to create some chances regularly. But yeah, I. <sighs> Ma- the Madweke thing is funny because he does the same thing 
over and over again. And if it was something that was effective, it would be different. But it's not. He stops the ball, tries to dribble and cut inside. He does it the first time, does it the second time. He's quite fast, so he always completes his dribbles, but it's usually sideways. I, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. I don't see any... I don't think um, Palmer is special. I don't think he's... <sighs> I, I've seen I've seen a lot of reviews about him. I don't think he's special at all. I, I don't I don't see anything particularly exciting about him. I like what I saw from him in, in, on, on his Chelsea debut. But if I was to say he's not ready for Premier League football, that may be harsh. I agree that being at City, you don't particularly. I mean, the the players in the first team. If you are not in the first team, you are you are a long way away from the first team. Not because you are not good, but because you are simply not going to start ahead of someone out there. But sincerely speaking, I think it's an okay signing. I'm not excited by it. I hope he does very well because he's now a Chelsea player. But other than that, I I didn't champion the signing because I didn't think it was one we needed. But I'm willing to see what he does, and I always judge every player on their merit, so he's not going to have any problem with me there. But yeah, that's what I think of the Palmer sign. Yeah, I think we just got to hope that Palmer can develop into something more over time and consistency, but that's kind of a... That's very much, as we know, with player development, it's hard to really judge these things and how they're going to end up projecting. Uh, It tends to be a very up-and-down process throughout, but... We're hoping the best for him, and that kind of gets us kind of getting to where our next point is, is the Forest match and maybe how he could be effective for us, if at all. Uh, so we we played Nottingham Forest at home. We line up with the the standard formation, right? So we've got DeSauci, Thiago uh, Silva, and then Colwell. We've got Chilwell. We have Malagusto. And then we have uh, Gallagher, Caicedo, Enzo, and then Sterling Jackson. So it's been a, a pretty familiar starting lineup now that things have been more solidified post-transfer window. And the first half really was kind of just an even back and forth. I didn't really see too much standing out. From a Chelsea perspective or a Forest perspective, it, it, it was what it, – it just didn't really seem like either team was besting each other, despite Chelsea having much more of the ball – and then in the second half, it was more of the same, but only it became a, a, a story that Forrest were able to break and absolutely burn, you know, Caicedo and Silva, uh, score a transition goal. goal. Um, and ultimately, that was all it took, a 1-0 win for Forrest. And I, I'll, I'll get us started here a little bit. I found yesterday to be an incredibly frustrating match as a fan. Uh, I, I just, what I, what I really got annoyed with was just, it just felt over and over again, like the, it's just so predictable. It's this right side overload, switch to chill well, lose the ball, you know, right side overload, go to the midfield, lose the ball. It's, it, it really is getting to the point too, where in the final third, I cannot take it anymore just the reluctant, the reluctant nature of so many players to not shoot the ball. And it, so, and it is when we do get somebody outside the box shooting, it's Enzo, but it's either off frame or like directly at the goalkeeper is kind of what it feels like as a viewer. So I'm at the, man, I'm really, 
concerned. I am very concerned with what I'm seeing. And a reason why I'm so concerned is I don't under, and look, I'm not trying to say that I, I know more. I'm just here to give you my opinion. That's, that's, that's what this podcast for is to just, you come on here, give your ideas. This isn't me telling somebody what to do, but it's really difficult for me right now to see what we're doing and make any sense out of it. I don't understand the roles. I get the formation, but the roles are making no sense. In some of the tactical answers or ideas or experiments that are being tried out there in the field have progressively not worked. We're not scoring goals, right? And, and And some people have pointed to the XG being high, but I had it broke down to me when I raised this question. I was talking on Twitter X, whatever we're calling it, uh, and I was like, I saw that we got over to XG. How was that even possible? It didn't feel that way watching it. And it was explained that it was basically Jackson's giant miss. And then a collection of like, you know, 10 to 20 shots that were all 0.2 or lower XG. So just, it, we basically got the two by having high volume of low percentage chances. Right. So that to me is the big issue. And that's what it feels like as a viewer. It feels like, we labor and labor and labor to break down anything that resembles a low block, and we eventually end up with some low percentage chance that doesn't go in the net. Um, and I think a lot of this is being born out of how we're playing. And to me, that's on the, the the coaching decisions that are being made right now. I don't understand why we're still playing Silva. I don't. Um, it, I think that he has a usefulness. And I think it could be in more ways than just the G- JT role that he had in 16-17 when we won the Premier League title with Conte. I think he could still play a bit more than that, even in the Premier League coming on to see out matches if we do shift to a back three to help see it out. But I think the days of him starting for us, we're starting to see why this is not a good thing. Because in the back three, I just don't think that Silva has the effectiveness in the ways that we need in terms of can we play this higher press up the field to win the ball in more dangerous areas? Well, the answer to that is not as much because we have to have Silva further back for lack of recovery pace, a.k.a. positioning. That's why he's positioning further back. And then on top of that, we've got – we have to have somebody else help cover as well. And then when we're pushing like Chilwell this high forward, it's forcing Colwell to move you know, further over. It's just – to me, this is just – To me, it's just a mess right now. I don't understand why we're playing this way. Why are we playing Ben Ben Chilwell left wing? We have like three wingers on the bench. And the the reason why I'm saying this, because at first I was willing to give us a chance, but now that we've seen iteration of this like four times, right? And the only thing that we've done is beat Luton Town, which is, let's be honest, I don't even, I think Luton will be guaranteed relegation by March 2024. I I just I don't think that's anything to talk about positively right now, and over overtly we are losing to what I consider relegation fodder level teams. Um, yeah, I, I think this is massively concerning right now, and I think that we're persisting, we're persisting with something that we have seen now four times in a row, or I say four times in a row because if you want to drop Luton and put Wimbledon in as well, four times in a row this has been concerning. Uh, Liverpool was okay, um, but I that match could have gone either way for both teams. 
um, and it was the season opener. But since then, it feels like it's only regressed, and I think that's concerning. Um, I think that we've got to figure out a better solution to this, and I think that starts with probably if you're going to play a back three, just 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 run a base three four three. Let's have Chilwell be in a natural wing back position, and then we can get an actual attacker on the field. Because for me, starting two attackers and starting eleven, this has got to stop. Uh, we we are just there's just simply a lack of attacking quality, and it's very obvious for our early games. So I'll, I'll end it there. I know that's a lot, but um, yeah, yeah, I'm just really starting to get a little concerned with what I'm seeing um, in the long term projection. Yeah, I'm. I want to jump in on that last point because I think. Like, I agree, Travis, overall, but I do, especially, like, overall regards to tactical setups, I, I agree. But my my concern is, and the reason why, I don't, like, do I think Poch has done the best job transmitting tactical instructions to these players? No. We don't have left wingers. Like, this was my thing about the Cole Palmer signing, and I got it generally, but the problem isn't the right wing. Like, I mean, it is, right? You don't have a backup to Sterling, who, frankly, has been one of our three best players this season, um, which is shocking given how bad he was last season, how bad he was in the preseason. But he's played really well. Um, but the problem, there's nobody in the left wing. Like, I would rather have Chilwell playing as an attacker than Mudrick playing on that left wing. And, and that's a problem, right? It's a problem It goes to... I think Bowley and his team have gotten progressively better um, since starting, but I think Mudrick was a rush signing. And I think for all the potential, I, I, I do worry that his ability to like, I mean this, honestly, he plays like an 11 year old out there, right? Maybe he's the best 11 year old on that pitch. He's definitely the most athletic, but he like, I, I mean, it's actually astounding, right? Where the instruction is clear, which is the wingers, if the ball is on their side, are supposed to start play high and wide and then only change that position once the ball's in the final third. If the ball's on the other side of the pitch, the winger's supposed to move inside. Mudrick does the opposite. Like, ever, right? If the ball's on his side of the pitch, he's making these cuts inside, these like underlapping runs. And so there's nobody on the left for Caldwell to pass to. Um, And so what's happened frequently is Enzo will then move in overlap. And so then you have nobody in midfield. Like it's, Mudrick is astoundingly dumb. Like for lack of a better word, like he's really just not a smart player. And I, I mean, I do hope that, Palmer maybe can fix a few of those things as well as Nkunku and Carney eventually coming back. Uh, but, but I mean, I think the big reason we're playing this formation is to get Silva in there. I think the second biggest reason is because there's nobody to play on that left wing. Um, the right side of the attack has been fine to me. I do think Nottingham Forest exploited something that, Really, none of the first three opponents, or none of the first, like Luton and West Ham did not exploit, which is Malo Gusto is a very good player. He's not as dynamic on the ball as Reese James. And what that means is, okay, well, then they will just double Mark Sterling. And again, to be fair, in this match, Sterling did the right thing in that situation, right? He would pass it back. 
Which would have been great if Gusto, like Reese James, could have beaten his man and gotten a cross in. But Gusto frequently would try, fail, and then pass the ball back into midfield, and you would start the whole thing all over again. Um, so to that point, I, I do think a tactical change is probably necessary. I, I don't know if it actually is making Chilwell uh, full stop left back again or not. But I do think it is swift, like, even if it's just to get in, like a 10 on the pitch, right? So it, at the end of the day, the answer you is you bench Silva. Um, that That's the starting point, right? Is you can't like, whether it's his back three or back four, if you play Silva, the guys around, like you're either in a back three where the center backs need to be a little bit more cautious, or at least one center back needs to be a bit more cautious, or you're in a back four and you're going to get blitzed. So I, I think the answer is benching Silva. After that, I don't know. Um, I think getting Cole Palmer in is probably a good thing. I hear Ola's point that I I don't know that right now, at least, Cole Palmer is going to be a game changer by himself. But I know Cole Palmer is not going to be an idiot tactically like Mudrick. I know Cole Palmer has some degree of end product, right? There, There is a, even if it's a shitty chance, there's a chance that comes when Cole Palmer gets in a position to shoot or play a ball, uh, which Madweke doesn't do. And he's a, he can play centrally, which neither Madweke nor, nor Mudrick do. So I think just getting them on the pitch is a good thing. Um, But yeah, I mean, like, the one good thing I will say about Chelsea this season is consistently our defensive possession and our right-sided buildup have been fantastic. It's everything else. that And, like, I actually think the defense has been okay, but, like, against Forrest, when you don't shoot the ball until you're 1-0 down, that means that every miss up until that point is much more damaging, right? City shoot, it seems like I don't have the numbers in front of me, but... If City are shooting 18 to 20 shots a match and miss 10 of them, right? So let's say they miss 50%. Well, there's still then 10 more shots that you could do something with. When Chelsea, and I know they shot a lot against Forrest, but to be fair, most of those shots came after they were scored upon. So when Chelsea shoot 14 shots and miss 50% of them, that means there's only seven shots left to do something with. And we just need it. Like... I I hear everybody's points that you want them to be good chances, and I agree, and I think we're not doing that right now. We're not really creating many good chances. I think we're creating good positions, and those position, positions aren't being turned into chances, which is a frustrating thing to me because I think we're, like, one step away. Um, but, yeah, like, this team's one of the youngest in the Premier League, if not the youngest. It's definitely the youngest in the big six, big seven. Um, young teams are inconsistent. This is... A statement that is borne out by data basically every season since 1992. Teams that are younger tend to have much more fluctuation from match to match. We also have a manager that is a very good molder of young talent, but like he is not a Carlo in terms of tactical translation, right? Like the the players are not going to get hit. Like he takes a little bit longer, which is okay. I just think we're going to, it's going to be a process this season, but yeah, I mean, this match with Nottingham Forest was a frustrating match, no doubt, but it's a process. Sorry for talking so long. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I have a, I mean, I have thoughts. I'm not, 
I'm actually not that concerned because there's a lot of things that have already been said. Um, we've got a very young squad that have really only been together about like all together for a few weeks. Uh, that is not enough time to learn a system and a way of playing um, and to be consistent with it. And, you know, our striker is 21. He's not He's not going to be consistent uh, this season. And, yeah, I mean, I agree on, I agree with kind of with, um, uh, with uh, Jordan and uh, on Mudrick. And I think, I think Pochettini doesn't think that, that Mudrick and Madureki are ready to start and doesn't trust them to start and doesn't trust them to press, doesn't trust them to defend properly, doesn't trust them to follow through tactical instructions. And he's gone, so what he's done is he's gone for somebody who he maybe isn't as good in terms of quality, in terms of a winger, but he knows will carry out his instructions and he can trust. Um, and actually, I mean, like, I've actually looked at some of the data on Chihuahua. He's not, I mean, like, he's not a, he gets into the penalty area. Like, he, I mean, like, twice this season he's got into the penalty area and should have scored. He scored one of them and it was given offside, which I'm still not sure whether that was offside. Um, and he should have scored against Leighton as well. So he gets into those positions. That's probably why he's playing in there. I don't think it's the it's the long term plan at all. Part of this is because of a, like part of this is in Kunku's injury without without any any doubt whatsoever. We are missing him badly. Um, he is our best attacker at the moment um, with Raheem Sterling when he's on form as well. Like, and he's an experienced attacker. He's twenty six. You know, he's not a young player. Um, he's, you know, he doesn't need um, time to develop. He could come straight in and be effective, and he's injured, and that is annoying. Um, I think, yeah, we're going to have games like this because it's a young team, and they're not going to be, they're not going to play well every game, but they will. But I had a look at some, like I think I don't forget forget what the guy's name is. Keir Doyle, I think his name is. Shared some uh, some of the, some of the underlying data for Chelsea this season. Um, compared to last season. I think in every single metric, we were significantly improved from last season. And I remember actually last season when Graham Potter was here and in his, like, you know, his honeymoon period, we were winning a lot of games. There are people saying that the underlying data isn't good and that we should be concerned even though we're winning games. And uh, and that got borne out, like, eventually because we started suffering. Like, we, the longer he was here, the worse we got, right? We're kind of having the opposite at the moment, where we've got some good underlying data and we're not getting the results. Like, and part of that is because it's a young team. Part of that is because we've got players injured. Part of that is um, that we haven't had much time together. And you know, there's a lot of different factors that are, that are being affecting this. Like, and I mean, I don't think I don't think Ben Chill will be playing left wing most of the season. I don't. Absolutely, I don't, and. I agree with everyone on Tiago Silva as well. Like Badia Shield apparently will be back for the Bournemouth game. Like get him into the team. Honestly, he's our best centre back for me. Like, um, yeah, even if it means giving a rest to Levi Colwell because, like, you know, um, like I, he doesn't need to. He doesn't need to play every game, but he's going to be our regular centre back long term because he's he's got world class potential. But he doesn't need to start every single game. Um, Although I'd be happy if it was him and Badia Shield playing together, but I don't think Pochettino is going to drop Tizazi purely because um, he's got that physicality. 
and because of his passing from the back, which has been really, really good. Like the data on that's been really, really good. Um, and I don't think that Pochettino will want to lose that. So, uh, and it may be that he just wants some stability at the back and have played Baddy, Ashil and Dizazi together because they've played together before. They know each other really well. Um, and so that might, you know, that might help our defence for a while. Uh, I don't think, yeah, like I said, I don't think Benchi will be playing left back, uh, playing left wing most of the season. Um, I'm also thinking about Armando Broyer as well. If he can get back fit, what Pochettino might do is play him as a striker and play Jackson off the left, play Cole Palmer as the 10 and play Racking Sterling as on the right. And that would be a much better attack. Um, obviously, you're, you're hoping that, that Broyer comes back and starts scoring. And I think he, he scored in the Premier League. I don't think there's any reason why he wouldn't get a few goals. And certainly it's better, it's a better attack than having Chilwell on the left wing, right? So you've got more goals there because you've got Jackson, Broya, Palmer, and Sterling, who can all score goals, right? And so you're likely to score more goals with that attack than you are with our current attack, right? So um yeah, and Enzo Fernandez needs to be dropped a little bit deeper, not as a not as the defensive six, but not too far forward because he's having less influence on a game when he's further forward. Well, certainly he was against Nottingham Forest. Uh, so I'm not like overly concerned. I understand why people are concerned, but I think we just need to like this is a completely different team from last season. Really, it's not the same team at all, um, and the mentality is different as well. The players, people I spoke to, spoken to who went to the game, said that the players' heads never went down. The players kept going to the end. They kept fighting. They kept trying to win the game. Um, you know, they didn't kind of just give up when we went one nil down. Complete opposite, in fact. Um, unlike last season when we didn't even bother when we went one nil down, we just kind of gave up because players didn't care. And that's positive for me. And we've come back from behind twice this season. You know, like against Liverpool, we went one nil down, we came back and probably should have won the game. Against West Ham, we were one nil down, came back and probably should have won the game if we scored the penalty. So there's character there, like and. You know, Jackson should. I mean, like, if we had a, if we had an experienced, proven striker with those Jackson chances, we get an equaliser, like one hundred percent. I think he just snatched at the snatched at them, which is what Pochettino said. And he's that's that's inexperience. That's all that is. That's literally inexperience. Once he once he's developed and got a bit more maturity and calm, um, he takes those chances, right? So, um. I think he's, I mean, like I've seen some of the data as well on the formation. It looked like he was playing a 4-2-3-1 a lot of the game. I mean, even Thiago Silva actually said on social media that it was a four at the back, which is, which is, which is even another reason why not to play Thiago Silva, because he shouldn't be playing in the back four. Like back three, yeah, I can understand. Play if you're playing a back three system and that's your main system, I can understand Thiago Silva playing some games. But when you're playing a back four, you should not be starting. And that's not a disrespect to him as a player or like not saying that he's not been a great player for Chelsea at all. It's just saying that like, like, you know, Pochettino likes to play high energy, high intensity, quick football, right? And Toyota Silva does not embody that. Uh yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, he was playing three centre backs. And yeah. Um yes, he does. Silver requires two centre backs next to him when he's playing. Like that's why I think we need to be playing Badia Shiel and Izazi or Badia Shiel and Colwell. Like, because like Badia Shiel is massive. He's really good in the air. That 
will help us at set pieces. That will help us. Like, and his positioning is really good. He's just a really good defender. Like he's just settled in completely. And he was, he was, I didn't don't think he had a bad game for us at all. Um, so he, it's him and someone else that's centre back, right? And you'd see that the game would change completely because you've got quicker centre backs who, you know, who are not so static. And, you know, like when you've got Badia Shield and Desali as a centre back pair, and that's a very physical, powerful centre back pair who are both also good on the ball. Like, so you could, you could see that us, us trying that. Like, but that doesn't mean, I mean, people won't, shouldn't have to worry about Levi Cole because. Leo Cole is going to be a world class centre back, and he will he will be a regular starter for us eventually. Like that's going to happen. So, um, yeah. So it was disappointing. I was I was upset. I was annoyed and frustrated, like everyone else was. Um, and, but some of the reaction, and I'll, I'll go into this a bit later, probably. Some of the reaction to it, I think, was just embarrassing. Quite frankly, um, you know, some of the people. You know, saying, oh, if Pochettino plays this formation again, he should get sacked. You know, which is yeah, utter nonsense. Um, but we'll talk about that later. But yeah, I, yeah, obviously there's things that we need to improve and things we need to fix. But I think we can. And, you know, it's good we've got a break now that Pochettino can kind of go back and analyse and look at what he's done wrong, what he's done right, what he needs to improve and make those changes for the next game. Um so that, that and and obviously by the next game we might have Badia Shield back, Broya might be closer to fitness, Reese James might be back as well. That will all help us. So um, hopefully that's the case and we can get back on track. I think our problem is not particularly attacking in terms of system or tactics. I think I think we have two major issues. We are very bad at shooting. Not in the sense that we don't take enough shots, but because we take bad shots, we are ranked for fifth. We are ranked fifth on um, on shot taking per game, and we are ranked fourteenth on shots on target. That's really poor, and that's where the problem is mostly. We create three point five big chances per game, which is extremely high for big chances per game. I don't I don't know if we are going to sustain that, but we also have to remember that we've played relatively not difficult teams this season. Our most difficult team this season was uh, maybe Liverpool. Even though it was in, in practice, it was West Ham because of how we played against West Ham. But it was it was it was Liverpool. We played Forest, we played Luton, we played Liverpool, and we played West Ham. And I think we've averaged about 68, 69% possession in across all four games, and we've created 3.5 big chances per game. That's par for that kind of possession. The problem is we've missed 2.8 big chances per game too because the person who gets on the end of most of our chances is Nicholas Jackson, and he's he, has, he, he gets most of his shots on target. Not just him, generally our shots are off target. We took 21 shots against Forest and we had two on target. That's how bad it is. So attacking wise, that's that's the issue. I don't know how how sustainable 3.5 big chances per game would be, all things considered. But I think if we can keep it to three 2.8 big chances per game, we'll be fine. City has created 2.8 per game this season. 
we've created 3.5. It will likely come down, but uh, sh short creation, we are, not, we are not doing badly. We're actually doing very well. Our shooting is quite poor, though. Uh, I think Enzo is probably the only one that... I mean, and one of the shots we had on target in, in the last game was Enzo shooting from outside the box. If that doesn't tell the whole story, I don't know what does. The second major issue we have is our defense is good in terms of... Wow. Enzo is our highest volume shooter. Wow. No, I was... Hey, I'm, I was saying that is like yesterday. <laughs> it felt that he was our highest volume shooter. Oh, yeah, yesterday. yeah. Outside, it, it, outside of the box shots. Sorry for that was misunderstood. <laughs> no, 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 I, I, I didn't. Mean, I didn't express that well in the chat. Our, our shooting has, uh, our shooting has generally been poor. Before it was, I mean, it seems to me like like Jackson doesn't, he doesn't sort his feet out quickly enough to shoot. When 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 he he gets the ball in good areas, he takes too long to shoot, and sometimes it's because he's, he's still trying to arrange his feet to take the shot. At this level, you don't have that time. And I think you'll figure out that you don't have that time in, 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 in football. Not, it's unfair to use Haaland as a comparison, but two of the goals Haaland scored against against uh, Fulham, he didn't he didn't have that much time at all. The first goal he scored, he got the ball, he didn't touch the ball, and he shot and he scored. The second goal, he wasn't even in the frame when the pass was made. He came across, shot it once, near post. In the Premier League, when you're getting on the end of chances like that, you you have to shoot quicker and better. I I also use Haaland because uh, Jackson has, has gathered 3.0 non-big chances this season. Non-penalty non, non XG, rather. 3.0 non-penalty XG. Haaland has gathered 3.1. So he's actually getting on the end of chances very well, Jackson. His his shooting is quite poor. Defensively, we are not allowing a lot of shots because we keep so much of the ball. But we are we don't seem good defensively. Uh, Michael Antonio had a fun time against us against West Ham, and we played we played three centre backs in that game. And Antonio still dominated our back line. It was quite embarrassing, especially because West Ham had 10 men. It was really bad. Thiago Silva playing as, at the center of the back three, he's supposed to be protecting him, but because of how because of how he has gotten physically, he, we, we, we still can't cover for that. Last season, Thiago Silva won 80% of his ground dues, which is quite high. This season is 125. When we say silver should be dropped, we are not trying to be harsh to him. We are not trying to be. We are not trying to be disrespectful to his legacy as a footballer. The fact of the matter is, he's clearly having issues. <laughs> he's clearly having issues when he steps out of the back line, and maybe he feels he needs, he needs to step out of the back line, but he doesn't. Against West Ham, Disasi kept running across the back line to to make clearances and make tackles, and I said that's supposed to be the job of this of the center 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 back, but it had to be Disasi because Disasi was the one that had the legs to get across. So we considered similar goals against West Ham and and, and Forest. 
Against Forest, granted the, the error happened long before it got to Silver. But Silver stepped out and got nutmegged easily and he was out of the game. Out of that attack, Elanga, Elanga went through. Cowell didn't track his runner quickly enough or well enough. So there is that. But being in position is, is half of the job as a centre-back. And when Silver steps out and Jordan keeps mentioning recovery pace, if you are going to get out of possession once or twice and you don't have the recovery pace for it, there's going to be a problem. Against West Ham, an error happened. Silver was caught in midfield. One pass around him is out of the game. As the centre-centre-back, we can't have that. We simply can't. Silver has won like 80%, 82% of his ground dues, of his aerial dues rather. But ground dues are, are your bread and butter as a centre-back, especially when your team is keeping 75% of the ball. If the one time they, they come at you, they quickly get around you, there's a, there's a fundamental issue. So I think there is that. The centre-centre-back the, the, the is... Is 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 a hole, is a hole in the defense, and we can't get around it. I would have loved to sugarcoat it because you know he's Thiago Silva, but he's 38, and it shouldn't be surprising that this is being said about a 38, 39 year old centre back at this point. Actually, he has clocked 39 now. It shouldn't be surprising. He's 38. Uh, Terry was phased out of the team at 36, 35. He's 38, and while we, we like to think he's He's two steps and five steps ahead of every other person because of how intelligent he is. Yeah, in the Premier League, it will become a physical battle eventually. He had a difficult time against um, Tai Waoni in, in the Forest game. That's because you're in the Premier League. Everything can be how intelligent you are. You have to run. You have to win your duels before, you, before your intelligence comes into play. The last thing is, I, I said two things. I, I meant three things. Robert Sanchez is not great as a shot stopper. We faced 11 shots, he's less than five. That's not good. Robert Sanchez is not good as a shot stopper. We can't be considering as few shots on target as we are and be considering as, as many goals as we are. That just can't work. It's four games in, so I'm not going to overreact. But yes, there are some key issues that we're having that we can't just cover up with 76% possession and 3.5 big chances per game at the end of the day. So I think it will get better. I don't think there's any need to panic, but there are clear issues in the squad that if we just think, oh, Thiago Silva will eventually stop losing his ground dues, he won't. He's 39 now, he, he won't. So there are clear issues there. We need to shoot better shots too. If we can't get our shots on target from whatever it is we're shooting it, we're going to have issues. I mean, this in the nicest way possible. If Badia Shile starts instead of Silva, if he were healthy and starts instead of Silva against Forrest, that's a nil-nil draw, if not a Chelsea win, because I think our entire strategy went to shit after they scored. So, because Badi Shile doesn't, he can recover. He doesn't lose, he doesn't get beat. He doesn't, he doesn't lose those kind of duels. He wins the balls in the air. His rhythm of the game is intelligent. And he's extremely quick. He has long legs, can cover ground. He's quick. He's athletic. Thiago Silva, if you put the ball around Thiago Silva in midfield or wherever it is, he just stands there and turns around. Because he can't start running. And that happened from his first game. His first game made an error. Matthias Pereira ran past him. He turned back and saw Pereira was on the ball. He just stayed there on the floor because he was 35 then. So you can't, you can't run your Premier League career on extremely intelligent. It becomes a physical battle at some point. You have to run. 
So you're right. If Badashile plays that game, at the very least, we don't concede. Because that goal we considered was not one we should be considering. The Forest are not a, 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 an offensively sharp team. We shouldn't be considering a goal to, to, to Nottingham Forest when we're not scoring any. It's just not done. So, yes. Yeah, I mean, I think when we get Body of Shield back, I agree. It's going to be a huge boost to the team. I, I, I would say he's probably our best overall center back because we saw a lot last year in turmoil times uh, with him that he was an assured presence back there and not really doing much wrong. Um, before we, you know, I, I think the second half, I think everybody did a really good job of, of, of I think there's actually a lot of variety of opinions there as far as where we're at and, and what we read from this game uh, against Forrest, which is good. I, I think it shows that there's there's a lot of different ways you could have this perspective about the club, um, you know, with it being a, a, the start to the season and, you know, taking more time to to gel as well as, you know, kind of acknowledging the concerns with who we're approaching games with and how we're approaching games with them. So I, I, I'd like to, you know, maybe shift now and talk about what do we think could best help this team going forward post-international break? Um, and, and I think, you know, where I'll, I'll get us started is I think an easy shift would be to let's get, if if Body of Shield is healthy, right, we get him immediately in the lineup and probably take Silva out at this point. Um, and then from there, I think it would be interesting to see if we can get Cole Palmer maybe as a, like an attacking central attacking midfielder role. Because uh, I think that, you know, with Nkunku out, we were playing that way in the summer. This kid does have a lot of talent and he kind of has that skill set. I'm not opposed to starting him right away and just seeing what we have, because with the investment we've made in the squad position he already has, I think you this is the perfect time to see where we're at. Uh, with him and what role he can have. I, I don't think he's going to light the world on fire, but if he can just go in there and give us a, you know, a six and a half, seven out of 10 every match until Nkuku is back from a, you know, a cam role, which is what we saw a lot of being utilized with the back four um, in the preseason, then I think that's going to be adequate for us uh, as well as helps along his development, which we clearly have heavily invested in. And then I, I know Mudrick has a lot of problems uh, and I don't disagree with, with some of the, the criticisms that have been levied, levied against him. But I think the side of me that has more to say is that he really hasn't been, he had injury and hasn't really been given a chance. And I don't think he's going to string together performances in like, you know, uh, situations that are 10 minutes to rescue the game. Those are probably not how we're going to get the best out of him. Um, I agree that you can maybe get the best out of him, bringing him later on in matches when other teams are tired. Uh, but it, I think that it needs to be earlier than what we've seen so far. So I think that maybe we can get him on the left wing and move Chilwell back into the back line if we if we opt to go with the back four. I those are just some ideas that I would have because I look we're we're not really scoring what we are. Well, we're not really scoring a lot, and we're not, in my opinion, creating very high quality chances. So I think that we should look at trying to just get more attacking players in more familiar roles that they've uh, played, you know, both historically and currently. So that's kind of where I would want to see things maybe go. I, I will be pretty frustrated if I see the Bournemouth lineup and it's three center backs, you know, Chilwell and Gusto, three center mids, and then just two attackers. Uh, I, I'm going to be pretty frustrated if that's what we see. Okay, so... Um, good points there, Travis. Like, um, and I agree, it's good to have a different, 
hear different perspectives, but I think that helps everyone understand um, where people are coming from. Um, and that's really positive. So anyway, yeah, but in terms of improvements off the break, um, I think Cole Palmer needs to be played in the number 10. Uh, it's his best position. Um, he can be creative. He also takes a shot on. Um, he's got a ton of energy. Tactically, he's very intelligent. Um, he won't take long to pick up Pochettino's system, I don't think. Uh, and yeah, he will add a goal threat and he'll add creativity, I think. You put him in the 10. Certainly, Tillman Kunku comes back, you know, and um, you know, it depends where Kunku plays, but Cole Palmer can play on the can play on the left and Kunku can play on the left. So you may have both of them when Kunku comes back and have them interchanging positions. Like both of them can both of them obviously score goals, both of them create. Well, that's gonna change our season, Kunku coming back. People are gonna we're gonna be a different team when he comes back. It's not it's not even a question to me. But that's not gonna happen till at least December. So in terms of after the international break. Once Breuer is fit, I would like to see him start and then have Jackson play off him from the left, like he did in preseason almost with Nkunku, and he got a lot of goals. Um, when he's playing off somebody and he's linking up with somebody, he's more likely to get chances. We saw that in preseason, and he hasn't he hasn't had that um, he hasn't had that yet um, because Nkunku's been injured and we haven't had anyone else really to play that role. So I think Cole Palmer can do that with him. I think if you have Breuer up top, he's got a quite a physical presence as well. He's already played in the Premier League. Um, I'm not saying he's going to score loads of goals, but he can score goals. He's a striker. Right? So he's going to have a go. He's going to take shots on, which is what we want. So ultimately, that's what I'd like to see. I'd like to see Sterling, Palmer, Jackson, Breuer as our kind of attack when they're all fit. Certainly until January, uh, or whenever McClunky was fit. Um, because I think you've got goal scoring, you've got creativity, you've got people who are quite intelligent as well. Sterling's really intelligent. Cole Palmer's intelligent. Like, you know, and they're like, I'd say Cole Palmer's probably got more football intelligence at the moment than Jackson has because he's just because he's been through the City Academy and he's worked with Pep. And that's a football education in itself. That's not so that Jackson's a stupid player, because he's not. Um, he works really hard and he makes really good runs and he's, his movement is excellent. Um, so, but yeah, so I would, that's what I would like to see eventually. I don't think the Chilwell thing will, will, will last much longer, if at all. I don't think that, that's not the, that's not the, that's not a kind of a long-term fix in any way. I don't think that's what Pochettino wants to do in at all when, you know, um, in his ideal setup. Uh, I think he'd rather have Chill at left back. Um, so, um, but like you know, when we I mean, hopefully we can get Reese James fit back in the team because Reese James, when he's fit, he adds something. He just adds something in every aspect of the game, right? Because he's he's you know, his passing is superb. He's got so much energy. He makes intelligent runs. He links up with Enzo really well. Like he make he obviously is crossing his world class. Um, I mean, he could play as a winger, honestly. I mean, his finishing is really, really good. He's one of the best finishers at the club, I think. And his crossing is excellent. He could literally play as a winger. I mean, you could play him on the right wing. You could play Gusto behind him. Like, um, I'd rather they did that than play Chill on the wing, to be honest. <laughs> um, because Reese James is just such a world-class player that you can play in any position. 
but I don't think that I don't think he'll do that. But it'd be good to have Reese James back as well. Um, yeah, I mean, like Badia Shield, definitely back in the team will improve us defensively. Will give us a bit more, a bit more reassurance at the back, a bit more of a physical presence at the back, a bit more height, you know, in the team, which is what we really need. Like, and I think I'm hoping that um, the new goalkeeper, I've forgotten his name, my mind's gone blank. Um, the one we just signed from the US team, um, that he'll play in the League Cup game, Petrovic, that's it, that he'll play in the League Cup against Brighton. And hopefully he puts in a really good performance so that he gets into the team. Because I think once he gets into the team, he won't be able to get, get him out of it because he's that good. Like he's a much better shot stopper than than uh than Sanchez, I think. I'm not saying he's like a world class keeper, but he's a much better shot stopper. And everyone I know who's watched him regularly and has data on him thinks he's brilliant. So um having him in the team will help us as well. We can get him into the team. But obviously we're not sure when that'll happen. But I'm hoping that he plays in that he plays in the uh you know the, the League Cup and that's his opportunity and he takes it. So yeah, that's what I'm hoping. I think. I kind of, I kind of, kind of went went through the the games we have and the goal scores we have and how many I think they'll get and like and I had us down as like, probably being about seventh or eighth around Christmas time, when Nkunku comes back and then we'll get better in the second half of the season because Nkunku will come back partly, and also because other teams will be more tired in the second half of the season and we will be less tired because, um, we've got less fixtures and also because the chemistry. And the system and everything will be much more. There'll be much more chemistry and confidence in it by then as well. Had a lot more experience playing together. So we'll. I've always said we'll get better over the season. That's my, and I stick by that. We'll have a better second half of the season than the first half of the season. Bit like Arsenal a couple of years ago. First half of the season they weren't that great. Second half of the season they were a lot better, um, and because they were learning how to play together, um, and that kind of led into that last that season they had last season where they. In challenge for the title, but yeah, so that's why I think you know I think I think Cole Palmer will get a lot of minutes. I think he showed enough in that in that cameo that he had that he should be starting for us right now without Nkunku. Um, and then even if you're playing Chilwell at left wing, you've got Cole Palmer, Raheem Sterling, and Jackson as attackers, create like goal scorers. Um, you know, at least you've got three attackers on the pitch then, which is you know natural attackers, which which is better than we've had in the last few games. So, yeah, there are there are lots of good things. Like we've got players coming back from injuries. It's a good thing because it means that we can um, it means that we can get those players into the team because a lot of them are attacking players as well. Like Broya, you know, having him back will be. I think people are underestimating him. I mean, I know he's coming back from an injury, so we don't know how he'll do. But I rate him as a player, and I think Pochettino rates him as well. So I think he'll get minutes after the break might get starts so um and i'm hoping that he does he does pretty well i'm not saying he's going to score 10 goals or whatever but maybe he gets four or five goals that's more that's anyone who scores goals is a bonus for us right and he, he is a goal scorer um and he's done it in the premier league so yeah that's my thoughts on uh on what's coming up and what we can do to improve things. Yeah, I think everybody's had really good ideas so far. I'm a little bit different, I think. So I would go back to what we played the first match and a half this season before Carney got hurt, which is still kind of this 4-2-3-1 but, or 4-3-3, but with 
three center backs. The change that Potch made after Carney got hurt is he brought Mudrick on. That failed. West Ham destroyed destroyed us after that point. And so for Luton, Potch changed again. And then he decided he was going to play three midfielders. So Enzo would become the most attacking midfielder, but he was still a midfielder. And then Caicedo and Gallagher were behind him. I think what that has resulted in is Chilwell needing to carry a lot more of the offensive burden on that left side. Because before that point, it was a double pivot with Enzo and Gallagher. I think now it could be Enzo and Caicedo or Enzo Gallagher again, whatever, I don't care. But I think you basically plug Cole Palmer into the Carney Chukwameka role, right? Is that kind of tennis player that reduces the offensive burden Chilwell needs to have? Yeah, it means you're going to play one less midfielder, but I, I think we have done well with the double pivot all season. The double pivot has not been the problem. So I don't think removing one midfielder really hampers the midfield that much. And I would replace Silva with Badia Shield. And so the lineup, I guess I would say, is Caldwell, Badia Shield, DeSassi, hopefully Reese James. Uh, but if not Reese, then Gusto. And I only say that because in reality, I, I wish Reese James would just take off half the season to get surgery, but he's not going to do that. Chelsea don't seem to want to do that. So to that end, I hope it's Reese James. Then in the midfield, I think you have Enzo and Caicedo or Gallagher. I don't really care which. At this point, I think long-term, you want it to be Enzo and Caicedo. But for now, I think if it's Enzo Gallagher, that's okay. You have then Chilwell and Sterling is kind of advanced wingers. Sterling especially advanced. Chilwell kind of starts a little bit deeper. And Jackson is the striker and Palmer is the 10-ish whatever type player. I think that solves a lot of problems. Again, I don't think the system, I, right? It lets you play defensive possession without Silva's liability. Yeah, you still have to deal with Chilwell as a left wing, but I think if he does that for the first 60 minutes, then you could bring Mudrick on if you really wanted to. But I think it kind of means you don't need to rely on Mudrick having no tactical brain whatsoever doing dumb stuff. Like Chilwell will know how to play that role. And you play three attackers, ostensibly with Palmer, Sterling, and Jackson. I, I I agree with everything Ola said about Jackson. I actually think Jackson has been brilliant in every way except for shooting, where I think he's a step slow shooting the ball. Like, it takes him a, too long to get his feet set. And I think that's something that changes over time. But point being, I think there's a lot of solutions. I would be upset if... As Travis pointed out, Potch rolls out this exact same starting 11 against Bournemouth. I think also Bournemouth's pressing kind of incentivizes playing a system where you could build up in a 3-2 because they man mark up front and then zonal mark in the back. But that means they commit as many men up front as necessary. And so if you play a straight back four, like Chilwell's not a great build-up player. Gusto and Reese can do it, but you're sacrificing that right-sided interchange, which Potches seemed loath to do. So if you're doing that, you're basically saying we're going to build up in a 2-3 or a 2-2 type thing. 
which means Bournemouth have to commit one less player up to press, which means they have one more player in the back. And so I think have allowing them one more player defensively is literally the last thing we need to do uh, with it is our team is already struggling to break teams down. So I would force them to commit one more player up and then hope between the pace of Sterling Jackson and frankly, Chilwell that you can get some good chances and convert. So that's kind of what I would do. Uh, so what, what I'll do to, to, to improve things. I don't, I don't know how much can be improved, but I think for one, if we bring in Petrovic, who I, I can say confidently that he's a better shortstopper than Sanchez. We save some shots, I guess. That would be good. Because we are taught for shots allowed this season. Taught best for shots allowed. So if we are if we are saving some two percent of our shots, we don't concede like half the goals we've considered this season. So there's that. I think I don't think there's more change to be made in the attacking areas because whatever I want to say, we're creating 3.5 big chances per game. So we just need to not be rubbish at shooting and we'll probably score some decent goals. But actually coming in would help a lot of things because our centre-backs, other than actually our centre-back, other than Thiago Silva, have been... Yes, our centre-backs, other than Thiago Silva, have been poor at long balls. I, I think Cowell has 33% long ball accuracy or 30%. Uh, before the last game, it was 25. This had has a similar number. Yeah, those, those centre-backs, are their long balls are a bit careless. And what Barashile does is he's a much more intelligent passer and an extremely good passer. I think he's a better passer than Cowell and Disasi comfortably. I think the only person who may be better than him is, is Thiago Silva. So there's that. All the duels being lost by Silva are not going to be lost by Barashile, simply put. And Barashile doesn't step out of his... When, it, when Almost all the time she has stepped out of the defensive line, he has gotten the ball because he reads the game extremely well. I think just returning Badashile to the lineup and maybe bringing in Petrovic would would go a long way in helping us win games because with 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 those two in we concede much less and we build up much better and we score more goals naturally. Santos has been okay. Actually, he has been good on the ball. His passing has been has been good, but his shot stopping has has not been great at all. So, yes, I don't think that I will make any drastic changes to the forward line. I I hear the Palmer, I hear the Palmer suggestion. And I can't even remember who, who is playing 10. Oh, we're not playing a 10 now. We're playing a 3-4-3. Or oh, that's what it looks like to me anyway. Our centre-backs coming out to to correct fans that we're not playing a 3 at the back is a bit out of place for me because that conversation doesn't need to be had and it doesn't need to be Thiago Silva making that point. Generally, I just don't want Thiago Silva or any active centre-back of my club having arguments with fans on Instagram, if that's not too much to ask, really. Just to chime in, I think what Ola is referring to is Silva got in an argument with a fan over Instagram saying that Chelsea are playing a four at the back, not a three at the back. So 
just to fill in but yeah i agree with Biddle so there so i'll stop uh one last thing i guess i would add is to Ola's point about Betty Shiele, I, I think DeSassi is one of the best first phase of buildup, like, players, like, passing center backs I've ever, like, I, I haven't seen a player like that in a very long time for us. I agree. I also agree with what Ola said, that he's not a long ball player, and actually having him play those long balls is a problem. Like I because it gets it takes away from what his best talent is, and I think that's why he and Badiashili in France were such a great combo, right? Because the Sassi like was a great kind of he would break through that first phase of play super easily, and if the other team was able to force the ball back, Badiashili could just bomb it long very accurately. Yeah. So like I think they're a really good combo. I think Caldwell will eventually become a very good first phase of play, like breakthrough player like DeSassi. I don't know that he'll be as good on that front, but defensively, I think he's very promising. But yeah, I, I, Silva to me causes many more problems than he solves. And the problems that he's solving, I think Badi Ushile solves just as well. Yeah, exactly. Very well put. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I'm. I'm... I'm not, I'm not concerned, um, really, because although there are problems, I think we have a first. We have a manager that's capable of solving them. You know, an experienced, proven manager who's worked at big clubs, worked with big players, worked in difficult situations before, worked in relegation battles before. Is used to the pressure and will not buckle under it. Um, and and I'm, I'm sure that he will find solutions. You know, he's. He's been hamstrung by injuries to some absolute key players. Like, there's no question about it. I think we've got nine injuries or something right now. Like, so although our first team squad is like 26, it's actually 17 because we've got nine players injured. So he's having to include players from the academy and whatever who wouldn't normally be the first team squad in the match day squad. You know, and of course, it's always the key players that get injured for Chelsea. It's never the kind of the squad players. It's always the key players. Um, so we've got Reese James and Ian Kunku out who if they're both fit and playing, Chelsea are a different team. That's that's just a fact because they're both world class players. So you know, I'm not I'm not worried about the season overall. I think we'll have a few more games where like this where we can't score and we try and score and we can't score and inexperience will cost us because we've got a young team. That will happen. People need to accept that. Um Pochettino has been in charge for four Premier League games, like four Premier League games, and he's still he's not had a fully fit squad once. Um, so people need to bear that in mind. You know, I think my actually my biggest anger after this game was at the reaction on social media. Honestly, I think it was embarrassing. I was I was ashamed to be a Chelsea fan. I was just it made me made me sick. Um, I was just like like some of the takes that were coming out of turning on Pochettino if we play the same lineup next game or, you know, um, like undermining him, like, you know, calling for a, people wanting, some people were saying, like, bring Graham Potter back, which was, which is absolutely absurd. Um, people were talking about sorry and whatever. Like, and I'm like, and it was just embarrassing to watch. And a lot of people who've got blue ticks, like, stirring up controversy to get revenue from their Twitter account, which is, like, 
which putting that over the good, good of Chelsea Football Club is not what a fan does. Um, and I'm just, I was really disappointed. Like, yes, it's right to be angry because we lost and we didn't, and it was a disappointing performance. And it was a, there were echoes of last season in it. I get that. I get being angry about it. I was angry about it. It's okay to be angry about it. It's okay to ask questions to Pochettino about his decision making and like his selections. That's fine. I get that. That's totally normal. But it went way beyond that. And it was just getting ridiculous. You can't, like, you know, people starting to act like it's normal to sack a manager after five or six games if it's not going well, which is like no serious team does that. Like, you want to win trophies? You can't do that. Like, you know, you can't you can't behave that way and expect your team to be competitive. It's just absurd. And I, I'm pretty much ignoring all those people now because I mean, people are saying that kind of thing aren't worth listening to. I can't have an intelligent debate with people like that. Um, and that, that really has upset me. So we need to get behind the team. We need to give Pochettino time. He's been, he's been here four games. Like this team has been together for five minutes and they're a bunch of, a lot of them, and their average age is 22. So like back a young team, back the manager, who's a proven top class manager. This isn't some inexperienced manager we've taken out of Brighton. This is a proven top class manager who's managed big clubs, managed in the Champions League, managed in the Premier League, managed big players. Developed young players before, fought relegation battles before as a manager. He's been there and done it. Like we need to trust him. We need to trust the talent of these players because I think we signed some talented players. I think we've got a talented squad. Just needs experience and time to develop and good coaching, and they'll get that. You know, and we just we just got to be patient. Like it's not going to happen overnight. Um, there's going to be more frustrations along the way. Like, but unlike other project managers we've had, I think we've got a manager who can actually deliver on that because he's done it before at big clubs. So and in the Premier League. So yeah, that's kind of what I've got to say. I think like we just need to wait it out because I think it will improve as time goes on. And especially when Nkunku comes back from injury, that will I think that'll be a massive difference to our team. Um and yeah, so it's going to get better, but it's going to take time to get better. That's really what I'm. Uh, that's what I. That's my conclusions from the Nottingham Forest game. Yeah, I, I think one thing to to focus to, and I think because it has relevance to the you know the the present and potentially future, is that there's. You mentioned how Pochettino's not been working with a fully healthy squad at all since he took over in the you know our actual season, the regular season. Um, and I think that what to highlight there is important because. That is something that to me is not surprising because typically um, some of our highest rates of injury occur when there are basically shifts um, in tactical periodization. And basically what that means is that there's a new manager or a new system that's going to be uh, exerted upon the players through, you know, progressive overload situations and training Um and during those times, the body is adapting to the new regimen. And that's typically during that adaption phase is when you're going to see the more at, you know, acclimatization, whatever you want to really talk about. I would prefer uh, to think of it as the body adapting to a new regimen, right? Um, that's when injuries tend to be at their highest frequency. What I'm saying is it tends to be that the highest rates of injuries tend to happen during that shift in, in uh, training. And I think what's important to note it 
is that if you look at other managers that have this really high press style uh, that have come in with a new team, such as, you know, that's kind of how Pochettino is. Um, there, Jurgen Klopp had this as well when he came into Liverpool and he had a lot of players have hamstring and, and soft tissue injuries. Um, and it's more because of how he went about like this all at once approach with his training. And yeah, it, it had a lot of bumps in the road to start uh, with injuries. But after players were adapted to it, I mean, you, you saw the results very quickly. So, you know, one of two ways that we can do that is, you know, maybe we we we're going too quick all at once and we're just going to take our lumps and then, you know, maybe the reward comes later uh, or we're going to maybe slow down the, 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 you know, how fast we're moving with this and maybe manage players a little bit more. Or maybe this is just, you know, we are actually doing that already. And this is just kind of the casualties along the way of that process. So. Uh, I think that what's important and I'm trying to get at here is that with new managers, this does happen. So, you know, there is some of that that's just going to inherently work against any new manager. If we bring another one in, they're probably going to have the same issue. So that's why changing managers would be a pretty bad thing to do. Uh, it, it just in practice, let alone theory at this point. Um, and to that point, I think that's, you know, the, the, Suggestions that pot should go, I think, are very overstated uh, right now. I, I agree with you there, Score. You know, those are just completely overstated claims. Uh, I, I think it's fair to criticize and, and have some things to say. Um, but I think as far as saying it's time for him to go, I don't know. Do I have some doubts in my head right now? Yeah, I, I do. Um, but I'm not saying it's time to to get rid of anybody or any, I, I think that's just, unfortunately, the interaction fishing side of the website that, you know, you consume with social media at Twitter anymore. So um, it is what it is. But I, I, all I'll say is, that, you know, I, I, I'm going to be more optimistic that, you know, Pochettino can figure this out and get it and get it sorted for the Bournemouth match and we get a win. Um, and, you know, we have the international break for him to, to really consider everything. So. We'll see. We'll see how we how we do. Um, but and you know we've got we got about two weeks to wait until we find out. So until that time, keep the blue flag flying high, everyone.